1: Hello, Egg Chasers. It's the Egg Chasers rugby podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. And we are in our three independent TMO shipping containers getting some good business at the minute. Our TMO shipping containers have had to stop transferring fuel and munitions to uh, Eastern Europe, and uh, they've been seconded again to get this podcast done. So here I am in South Manchester. um, Across a different part of South Manchester is Phil. Hello, Tim. And where are you, JB? North Wales. So my weekend has been
2: completely scuppered. I was going to be going to Army-Navy, which you went to, did you not, uh, Tim?
1: Yeah, but we'll definitely talk about that in a, in yeah. a, on this podcast. That was an and experience.
2: childcare fell through and all the rest of it, and it, absolutely devastated. Absolutely devastated. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Uh, and all my logistics were in place. It was a five o'clock stop, down to Derby Station, getting back up, and fell to pieces on Thursday. Absolutely heartbroken, but it is what it is.
1: And here I'm looking we forward are. to that
2: I've been looking forward to that more than pretty much every other rugby game that I've been to for the last decade.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think I might just cement that fact with you when we do talk about it. Um, I will just say we, we've had some concerned messages from American, our American contingent, of which we have many, many listeners. Some like, I think it's like as many as like 15% of our audience is, is, is in the States. And yeah. uh, we've, we had a few people saying, everything okay, guys, you're right. Um, if, <laughs> if, ever, if ever there is not a podcast there first thing on a Monday morning, rest assured, um, something very, well, no, I was going to say well, something's happened to one of us, but even when it did, like when JB got impaled on a tree, we still did a podcast. Um, <laughs> exactly. So actually, so it will be, we've all died mm-hmm. or it's a bank holiday. In the UK. Well, we do
2: take precautions, don't we, with this. So, you know, I don't know if anyone knows us who's listening. But when we travel overseas, we never take the same flights. We, we, we never take the same transport. It's always two plus one. <laughs> Very much like the royal family.
1: Because you never know, do you? You never know. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a bank holiday in the UK. So fact, mm. is, it, is it the whole UK, this one? Because I know some bank holidays Scotland don't have or... Northern <laughs> Ireland, they have their own different ones. But anyway, it was a bank holiday where we are. So that's why you're getting this podcast ever so slightly late. But wherever you are getting your podcast and listening to it right now, hit that subscribe button. Uh, and if we haven't earned that subscription from you already, we're hoping to earn it on this podcast or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can support us by leaving a five-star review, by telling your mates, or by going to patreon.com forward slash egg Excellent. So we've got uh, Premiership Rugby to talk about, the, the weekend that just gone. We've got European Rugby to preview. And let's just do a quick roundup of a couple of other bits of news in the meantime. Firstly, let's start with our favourite Tier 2 side, who we've been to see in Madrid. We, we followed their journey. We were there when, when we thought in 2019, or 2018 as it was then, uh, we thought we were there for the game that was going to crown them inevitably into the 2019 World Cup, only for their dreams to be scuppered in heartbreaking fashion. And now Spain have... Been down another blow.
2: Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing good to come out of this. Uh, just, just horrible for them. Absolutely horrible. Uh, I feel for all of them that put in so much work. Uh, and to achieve World Cup qualification, two World Cups running, and not be able to play either of them,
0: not good. Not good. Well, the, the first time they didn't actually achieve it, did they? But, uh, the, yes. Well, the, well, well the... yeah. Yeah, Good point. but last time the ineligible player or players, I can't remember if it was one or multiple last time around, um, that, that um, saved blushes from another direction because of the allegations of cheating with the Romanian official in the Spain-Belgium game. So, yeah. the, so the ineligible players ultimately was what ended their um, qualification hopes last time. Whereas this time they officially did qualify and... Uh, from from my understanding, it's a single South African-born prop <laughs> whose um, lack of qualification or, or rather um, forged, uh, um, allegedly forged passport is what has brought them down.
1: Which I believe, uh, and again, I, th- I think I'm right in saying he forged the paperwork.
0: The union the, didn't forge the paperwork. Yeah, from what I've seen... And I don't know how much. I don't know if these details have been formally announced. They've not been formally announced, from what I've seen. But the um, implication of it was that it wasn't the, the Federation of Spanish Rugby. Um, it was a combination of the player and or his club. But in terms of the sanctions, that is irrelevant. And yeah. um, Spain have taken a twenty five thousand pound penalty, a suspended fifty thousand pound penalty. And um, a point deduction, which means that Portugal, um, is Romania uh, and Portugal step up in the ranking in the Tier Two Six Nations European Rugby Championship.
1: It's effectively, it was the fact the guy went back to South Africa twice within that three-year residency period. He went back twice. Regardless, that the the overwhelming point is that a lot of work has gone into getting Spain to this to this level, and on the it was definitely of the World South Cup, African.
2: I mean. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember his name, but it's like uh, Bismarck Schmidt Pollard or something. Like it, he is very, it's a very South African of name. And
1: what, and what it, makes it you, worse is he was going to be playing against. He played against the Netherlands, which is a game that Spain would have won without him. Mm. Oh,
0: it, yeah. it's it's all it, it is horrendous.
1: Can they but... I wave it? Brushing I mean,
2: the US, the US Olympic Committee was brushing steroids under the carpet, left, right, and centre. Surely you can just forget this happened.
0: It does feel particularly harsh on Spain, and Spain, obviously, they've been performing like this for a longer, long period of time. I think it's it's something like four or five um, of the last six tournaments, six tier two, six nations tournaments. They've finished in the top two. Um, until points deductions and other things like this, oh. like the 2018 one, okay. so they they are a good team and they're on a, they're a good team with a good trajectory. It's just a shame that we won't see them on the the biggest stage for at least another four years.
1: Oh.
2: So who takes their place? Because I assume a phone call to Russia is off the table.
0: <laughs> not Spain this time around. Will not be Russia. It, it's Romania. So yes. Romania step up. I think to automatic. Oh, that's even worse. Which is even worse. That's
1: even worse. <laughs> that, that's just rubbing salt in a painful wound.
0: So they so they um, rivals from 2018, 19 qualification process um, step up, and their geographical rivals Portugal also step up into the third place and therefore <sighs> the um, subsequent qualification tournament.
1: Oh. <laughs> we're going to Madrid for tier yeah. two tour. That's next it. year. We are hundred even more behind Spain than we ever were. Yes. Right, that's happening. Okay, mm. any, any other news before we get on with the rugby? Well,
2: a few transfer bits and pieces. Moriarty targeted by France, which I thought was interesting. Piers Francis going to Bath. Which yeah. Is interesting. yeah. That's a good signing,
0: that, I think. I think well, that's what they need. He's he's hardly played for the last two years, it feels like.
2: Yeah, and they like an extra playmaker at, at 12. I think they did all right with Matavesi there. I, I like that. Uh, oh, yeah. John Jonathan Fowler is going to uh France for two years. He signed a two-year deal. Good lad.
0: Yeah, 39, awesome. 39 in a few months and signed yeah. on for two years.
2: Apparently right. Beiritz is uh, apparently Beer Ritz is about to ch- change hand, change hands again, which is exciting. Um mm. very very exciting because uh I want to get an introduction to the owner and uh Go and visit I could,
1: it. Yeah, if I was good enough to have played at a, a top level, and I've just picked a club, I think Beeritz back in the day would have been, well, no, Beeritz anytime because you can ski in the winter and surf in the summer. Mm. Exactly. It's an I've awesome spot. Thought,
2: well, I've, I've often thought about this. Like back in the day, what would be the perfect career? And I think it'd be a mix of Toulouse and Bath. Uh, maybe, maybe Tigers for a little stint, Toulouse. Yeah, no, Toulouse and Bath.
0: Has anyone done that? Has anyone done Toulouse and Bath?
1: must be somebody. There must be someone. No, no, one,
0: no one immediately jump into mind. No. Hmm. I don't even remember if there are
2: any French players. Uh, I think nowadays, if you have two of the premium clubs, who are you, I mean, there would be a time when Claremont would have definitely been the club that you want to join. Probably still is, actually. Racing but, would be the one now.
0: Yeah, Racing or, or Toulouse, because Toulouse are just the Cremier. I'd, creme- I'd go South
1: Coast. I'd go South Coast all day.
0: So, so Toulon or... I think Toulouse is the one. Toul- Toulouse, Johnny, is, Toulouse is great. Johnny Wilkinson's Toulon as a passenger would be great. Where would yeah. you play, like,
1: on the wing or
2: something?
0: Uh, what, well, against um, Habana and Drew
1: Mitchell? And you could stand behind, um, what's his name, Bacchie's Boater just going, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, no, I, I, I honestly think Danny Russo was harder. Russo was
0: Either or. a hell of a player. He,
1: imagine the two of them going
0: hammer and song. Yeah. I I um, uh, I think he's done all right. Zach Mercer has done all right. Getting out of the hellhole of of Bath and getting to Montpellier on the South Coast, (laughs) who who are also performing incredibly well.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. I I mean, yeah, that's a wonderful segue, because as soon as you mentioned Bath, I I gave a little laugh. Can we talk about Bath?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm going to... Just do one little email first and remind you we're contactplaychases at gmail.com. It's just quite a nice, heartfelt and heartwarming email that we've received from Sean. And Sean is a a member of Old Caliphian's RFC. And he says, uh, hello chaps, been listening since 2015, but the first time contacting you, because it just resonated with me, your comments about how rare it is to win anything. So to relish it uh, and realise how important your local club is. Old Caliphians is a gem of a club. And this year, the first and seconds are league winners with the first coming top. Yeah. Uh, LS2. um, Oh, London, London South. South. London South too. Uh, the second 15 also bringing back the cup. I only mention it because this club has been a life changer. I brought my son at five to join their new mini section and he's now 20 in place for Leicester Uni first 15 and has recently put his boots on to help out Hinkley RFC. But OCs is our home. And once he's back from uni, he'll be putting on his boots and playing for the old seas on the field of dreams. But yeah, it's just a just a it is the an end of season for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, enjoy it. Let us know if there's any great stories or trophies or unbeaten seasons or any of that.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, we've had uh, basically front row seats to um, Bournemouth's uh, end of season tour, and that seems great. <laughs> that seems Excellent. like plenty of plenty of stories.
1: <sighs> Crikey, yeah, some of the eyes were like. Piss holes in the snow. That that photo mm-hmm. sent of uh, one of the gentlemen on that tour this morning. Crikey,
0: that looked awesome. That did look great. Love the yeah. budget smugglers.
1: I love the egg chasers ties that were on show as well. Yes, they at are. the pool. That's good. Good to see. Uh, yeah, let's oh, go on then. Let's let's talk about Bath. But before what, we actually uh, talk about the substance substantive part of the game, I think it's worth pointing out that this is everything that's bad about ring fencing. This game.
2: No, it was everything that's bad about Bath. Huh. I actually think when we talk about ring fencing now we let Bath and Stuart Hooper off the hook no 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 no. <laughs> then, that's, not, that, that's not my
1: point my, my point is that was so abject so without passion and honour that they deserve really? to be relegated
2: oh they absolutely do, do they though let me they, lay out the thing they, with
1: the ring fencing imagine how much more painful and horrible that would be if a place in the premiership was on the line and they put out a performance like that which they deserve to go down for they're, play, or they're also playing Worcester on the final day of the season, and that could be a shootout for who finishes bottom. I don't care yep. about the game. Who cares? Well, And, and so, also, and this is why um, outside of Gloucester getting the maximum five points and playing really well, I don't particularly care about the 80 minutes of the game because it means absolutely nothing. And also, you, you look at all the teams that have nothing to play for at the moment, those games were lopsided, didn't perk my interest at all. I
2: take every one of your points there. They're incredibly valid, but i disagree with you. I'll tell you why. Because the danger of ring fencing is not this. The danger of ring fencing is what Leicester Tigers did a few years ago when they just showed up with kids. Like, you've given away the season, so you think, right, in that case, we're going to find out who can play, who can't play, ruin a bunch of careers by putting out teams which are completely substandard. But on the plus side, you find Freddie Stewart and you find... Um, uh, oh, all the other players that they've, that they've found this season and look where they've gone. I think that was the danger with ring fence. You get mismatches that way. This is something completely different because you look at the Bath team. I read the team on Friday. I was like, oh, cool. Miles Reid's back. Uh, Miles Reid is back. Sam Underhill's back. Toby follett in. Ben Spencer, Danny Cipriani. They're going to go well. Finally, they can get some form. This is pathetic. I mean, this is senior pros. Uh, you know, the, the key there is the word pro. And they're not pro. They're absolute jokes. In a way, I kind of want them in the premiership still so they can lose their most fierce rivals by 64 points every single week and embarrass themselves. That's what they deserve. They deserve nothing less than this embarrassment every single week. At least when Leicester Fielded the kids. You knew that they were trying. You actually knew that there was some heart there and some pride in the shirt, even if they weren't capable of pulling it off. These boys are absolutely pathetic. Zero. Right, Broughton Park put out what I think was probably like a fourth team against a top H second team. And those guys managed to score five points. Five points. Zero. I mean, look at the amount of money that's on display. Look at the amount of caps. It is one of the most embarrassing things to come out of the premiership for about a
0: decade, I would say. It's It's amazing. Stuart Hooper's record breaking season or record breaking run as director of rugby continues. Because he is he is breaking records. This was oh, yeah. this, this was um, Bath's um biggest loss ever to Gloucester in and, 140 years of history.
2: And to think, right, I got a message from Bath's media guy saying, We don't appreciate your questions in the media sessions. We think that you're too aggressive. When I asked Stuart Hooper last year if he thinks that, you know, he's under any pressure. Maybe i was too aggressive, because if you, you know, a year on from that incident, 64 points to nil, he's clearly under no pressure whatsoever. Just do what you want. <laughs> so absolute, I, an absolute dos.
1: I'm not here to defend Stuart Hooper, and please, there's, sorry, no, there, there's nothing. No, I'm not even going to try <laughs> after that. However, if there was something on the line, premiership survival for one, then the, the, the players would have to take responsibility. The whole group would have to take responsibility to try and solve problems. But this was waving a great big white flag and and an element of it. It feels like the footballification of rugby going another step further. The whole player power, because these guys are not playing. I mean, forget the fact that the the leadership of the club is changing next year with Johan van Graan and, and his coaching team coming in. Forget all that. They're pulling on a bath Jersey. That they, they should have enough pride that however poorly coached you are, that there's a minimum expectation. So I think f- putting the focus on Stuart Hooper in this particular occasion, whilst I'm not defending him or, or saying all is rosy, I just think that is a total cop-out because these players... I think if they got out the academy, they'll have had a better, better result. Uh, I genuinely think this is a, a thing which is happening.
2: I don't think these players give a shit because they think they're good enough just to walk out the club and get a new job somewhere else. That, that's literally what I think. That, you know, if you had a team scrapping for relegation, I think this team would have done exactly the same as they did this week because that is the attitude of the team. And I think if they were scrapping for relegation, they would have turned to these lads. They would have turned to players that actually care. That's the only thing that I, that I can think. 64 nil is incredible. Right, to the point that, the I mean, I say the players don't care. They don't care because I think the leadership has switched, switched them off. But it's a bit of yin and yang, isn't it? You know, that it, it, like you said, Tim, doesn't matter how badly coached you are, um, if you're a professional player, you'd have thought, wouldn't you, that combined minds of Toby Fowler, Ben Spencer, and Danny Cipriani, and Jonathan Joseph, in like the spine of the team, with the amazing leadership uh, credentials of Charlie Ewalds, allegedly,
0: would be enough to guide them somewhere. So, like, three points, just give us three points, boys. There's guys, so it's Tim, I, I totally agree with your point that you can't blame all this on Stuart Hooper, and how much of this is the leadership turns off the players, but the players have, the, the players should be playing for the the pride, not necessarily even in the Bath shirt, the pride in themselves. Because there's guys in this team who um, would harbour England and international ambitions. And you've, you've said it before, JB, if you're playing like this in this Bath team, how you can credibly have any ambition of claiming £18,000 a week for playing for your country... And guys like and a singer Joseph, um, Spencer, Ewells, Underhill, De Glanville should have the ambition for playing for England. He's, he's got enough talent, but we're not seeing the ability. I mean, you could argue, if you just made it purely from a financial perspective, guys performing like this week in, week out, are costing themselves um, a shot of 200 grand a year in England money. Yeah. because of they are performing so badly. And how you can do that as a professional is... It's, it is its embarrassing. It's absolutely embarrassing. Uh,
2: I wonder, you know, if this... In fact, I don't wonder, I know. If this team was like a level eight team or level five team, it'd be the team that everyone had left halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. It'd be a mass resignation and they would have no team. That's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with here. <laughs>
0: the The flip side of all of this...
1: It's Jamal and- Ford Robinson from yes, the pod. Thank you. What a try. Yes. Yeah. More reaction to scoring a try. I know. I loved it. Loved it.
0: That was the time, I think. That was my moment of the weekend. Obviously, it didn't matter at that point in the game, but to see Jamal scorch in from I don't know, 60 Halfway. yards, 70 yards, at eighty least. Y- eight, at least 80 95,
1: yards. 95 yards, wasn't it?
0: I, I thought. It was, it was glorious. Oh, it was Yeah, to so run from one wing, pop, on,
2: pop up on the other, and then do the 70 yards. It's incredible.
0: He's, he had some wheels,
1: and he gave it the full-on dive, and then his face at the end was... I love it. I <laughs> loved it. It's my favourite moment of the weekend as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, because Ashton can keep his three tries. Yeah, Ashton, it's irrelevant... What is it? Ninety fourth, ninety fifth, ninety sixth—irrelevant. Yeah. And
1: Gloucester, my goodness, they needed that. Yes, they really did. But they're still one point behind Saints. Are they not? Have I got that right? Have I made this up? Yeah, yeah. Saints. Saints uh, got it in their hands.
2: Yeah, to so finish fourth. What about these Worcester points? Because two points will do them. Will do them now. They'll be happy with that.
1: Oh no, they've yeah. already been awarded. They've already been awarded those points, haven't they?
2: been.
1: So as I understand it, they've been awarded the five points. Am I right, Phil? Uh, I'm just looking now. Cause
0: I, I think I might've missed this.
1: I th- they've been awarded five points, but yet the full report hasn't been put out. Oh, and, okay. And the, uh, any financial compensation stuff has been sort of like, Oh, we'll, we'll get back to you. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, the three person panel met on the 19th of April um, mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, there's been no formal announcement after that. And in that that announcement of the three-person panel, they said, uh, following the conclusion of the panel hearing, we will publish the decision and the full reasons as soon as they are available. And we are now here two weeks after that and still don't have that. So,
2: yeah, well, the premiership being the premiership, there's no way they would leave a decision this important right at the end of the season.
1: <laughs> no, they would nor- get this- nor would they leave it in a situation where even people that are absolute rugby norsies still don't, aren't 100% sure what's been going on. <laughs>
0: yeah, and yeah, just looking in this, the announcement of the three-person panel, it does say, the, the, the statement is, the circumstances under which the match was cancelled and the allocation of points will be determined by the independent panel.
1: But I think, I, I think looking at the table, Gloucester have got two games left to play and they're down as having 20... 20-
0: Two yeah. matches. So you are right, actually. On so even even though the official announcement said what I just read out, which is um, the allocation of points would be determined by the by an independent panel, the and that's the last statement I've got on record from Premier Rugby. The official Premier Rugby table on Premier Rugby's website does state that a cancelled fixture, Gloucester Rugby, five points; Worcester Warriors, zero points. So that looks like it has been formally allocated. But without decision... an announcement,
1: without a statement that fans can follow, <laughs> it's just it's unbelievable. Without the, without the games to go. It's, it's
0: totally believable.
2: Yeah. Two <laughs> games to go. And the only position that really matters, that fourth place. <sighs> yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, they need to change the communications at ASAP. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who needs to know that, but they do need to do that <laughs> immediately. I mean, it's like, Do you remember when Premiership Rugby TV was set up and we were trying to find the highlights of where you find the Prem games and we couldn't because Premiership Rugby had been set up? And again, you'd have thought someone would have mentioned this you know, to anyone because it was an, across no media. No one, no one reported it. It wasn't on Twitter. But here it is, Premiership Rugby TV. It's the same sort of thing. They need to get hold of how they distribute this
1: information because it's whereas uh, just to, to compare and contrast whereas we get personal direct messages regularly mentioning that the network.com is carrying every single mlr game in america which is reaching its crescendo live and on demand and they're proactively telling us so we can let people know yeah quite
2: a- astonishing quite astonishing stuff really Anyway, so
1: yeah it means that gloucester are really up
2: against it because yeah, uh, if they get into the playoffs now and they somehow manage to beat Harlequins in the Stoop and then Saracens at King's Home, well, they
0: absolutely deserve it. But it's a big ask. It is, and it's it's outside their hands as well because Northampton yeah. are, are ahead of them. So even if
1: also have Saracens, okay, okay, and then, and then but crucially, because you can't really see, and if Gloucester win both those games, as you say, Saracens and Harlequins, fair play, you've earned the right to be there. Um, well as long as Northampton don't win both their games by more. But uh, Northampton have Newcastle Falcons at home on the last day of the season. So you would back them if they need to win to to get the points on the final day. Oh my
2: word. So bonus points are going to... So I think when you go to Saracens, both teams, their overall focus is just get get four tries
1: and see how the land lies after that. Well, the interesting thing uh, with Northampton's win, it actually means... Saracens can afford to in one of those games or maybe both of those games to just lay off a little bit to pull back in terms of selection because Quinns are no longer breathing down their neck going for second place in a home semi-final. So Saracens yeah. manage their their game time a lot a lot more as a result of Northampton's win so it's sort of uh, compounded that issue. It might it could either benefit Gloucester massively because Saracens rest players then or it could um, benefit Northampton massively because Saracens can rest their players then. And of course, you've got
2: to remember, Gloucester beat Northampton in Europe, meaning that Northampton have a rest week and Saracens do not have a rest week, neither do Gloucester because Gloucester won. So they'll be going full ball this week and then next week coming in, that might be the game that Saracens (coughs) say, "Okay, the boys have had a tough shift with whoever they're playing in Europe and then Northampton get the rib of the green. don't really know, do
0: you? The one extra thing to add to all this is Finishing first is a massive bonus because there are three very good oh, teams yeah. in this league. Whoever finishes fourth really has kind of no chance because because Leicester, Saracens and Quinns are, are miles ahead of the rest of the league. So you finishing first guarantees you, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but definitely the easier fixture. But that's only
1: likely. Saracens can only really topple... Uh, Leicester from that if Leicester lose, lose. both of both. their games against Newcastle they, away and Wasps at home. They do. Yeah, you, you are right in that. Which is, teams, which is unlikely.
2: Take the teams out of it as in the playing staff. Just to ignore the playing staff and how good the sides are. Where is the ground you'd most like to avoid? Would it be the whatever it is X Stadium now where Saracens play? Stone i I'll out take out teams it. out of
1: it then well, it's Welford Road. You wouldn't want to go there. Welford Road would be absolutely bouncing.
0: Yeah, Welford Road from... would be a more hostile atmosphere. Oh,
1: imagine how hostile Leicester v Northampton will be. Oh, mm. That, was... that <laughs> is Saracens what... Harlequins. That would be an am- yes, That's going to that... be an amazing semi as well. Two real niggly best... derby
2: games. One of the best games of all time was the Tom Wood semi-final, where Tom Wood scores right at the end. I mean, that was. I think that, actually, i go as far as to say that's probably the best Premiership playoff game of all time. Uh, I know people say Bristol, Quinns, whatnot. There's just lots of points in that. No one likes that. But the, (laughs) the tight rivalry, the Friday night game, and then for Tom Wood to score, who I think might have been captain at the time, and it might have been over 80 minutes too. It might have been like 81 minutes that he goes over.
1: That was amazing. There's that one. The other, the other amazing one that springs to mind is Henry Slade's kick to the corner at Sandy Park to beat Saracens yeah. with that last minute driving mall try. That, that was awesome. immense. Very, very good one. Mm. Yeah. Those are two
2: awesome semi finals. But are you both with me hoping that Gloucester get in ahead of Northampton or are you kind of neutral?
1: Well, because Friends of the Pod, Jamal Ford Robinson, Mark Atkinson, Chris Harris has been on the podcast. Mm hmm. Ed Slater Ed be Slater's it? been on the podcast so yeah, on that basis I've got a soft spot for Gloucester but I think North Northampton, Northampton yeah. are there okay. and the prospect of them at Leicester is pretty tasty
2: I have some serious reservations about how soft Northampton are although maybe those reservations have been reversed yeah,
1: after I mean, the, this week's game well you've got yeah I was going to say we it feels like northampton have crept into this position but they've just had a really good run of form lately and and we you've got to give them credit and take back some of what we've said before because they're they're delivering
2: they are yeah. delivering but they won a game didn't they in the most northampton way with loads of tries being scored and no scrimmaging.
0: well that's that's where i think so it's right i'd actually prefer northampton to make um the top 4 because i I, th- I think i prefer watching northampton play What? But, but um, they did this in exactly the most Northampton way, which was they, they were uncontested scrums from like 12 minutes in, which I think Northampton and Quinns match up really well once you take away Quinns' dominant scrum. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. That is like, you could have predicted that before the game, that the, they, they are very match, well matched apart from the scrum, and you take out the scrum and Northampton win. So before we go on the game let's
2: just talk about scrums a second because we like doing that I saw a future and I don't like it with the game without scrums and my overall takeaway is I think it becomes a much more dangerous game when you take the scrums away because I was watching Alex Mitchell and he towards the end he just couldn't walk I mean he's a phenomenal player and he just couldn't get to break down in time. And the amount of contacts the boys must be taking and carries that they must be making because there's no breaks in the game for scrimmaging, which I know is annoying for some people. But when you don't have it there, you start to realise how important these little breaks are for the entire team because it's a gruelling game. I'm sure anyone who watches Rugby League is probably laughing at us now saying this, <laughs> but it is a gruelling game. And no, I'm not having Union, that. Or so much bigger than the ones in rugby league.
1: Well, But out of necessity, if that was the way that it was played, and I don't want that, but if that's the way it was played, then the body shape of rugby players would play to match it. Yeah, it's they just, just the conditioning didn't all. match the, the laws as it was. But yeah. Northampton have got a, a plan uh, if they want to try and get past Leicester anyway. It's just um, two HIAs to their to two props. Because <laughs> that's the reason they have stayed at 15 players as well, because it was an HIA.
2: Now, that first drop Connor Connor Carey that went down.
0: Yeah, he went off that injured. His
2: first, it was like, was that his first stop?
0: Not sure. I don't think so. I've noticed him playing a bit, but not a huge amount this season.
2: But I, I, I just looked like off the bench. You see,
1: well, it doesn't mm. really matter. It doesn't really matter. If he wasn't on for very long. <laughs> it seven, seven minutes was it? Yeah. Well, but it's all a
2: way for him to win a very important game. So, fair yeah. play
1: the last. I-, I love Courtney Laws. He is my favourite player, has been for years. And what a, what a man.
0: What so, a man. Courtney Laws, there was uh, two weeks ago, he dislocated his thumb in what I saw described as an open dislocation. Which, rupture. which was at the time saying he might be out of the England Tour to Australia, might be out for a long period of time. And the next thing you know, he's, he's playing again two weeks later. Yeah, So it was a funny game Because some of it was classic Northampton
2: so They they score quickly they, they score freely And then Quinn sort of start to match them And I was watching this game Thinking here you go Classic Northampton They all just fold But that second half They really impressed me Because they didn't just win and When I think of Northampton I think of them winning by a big margin or, lo- or losing by a big margin But for them to go against a top team Which Harlequins undoubtedly are and then win by the narrowest of margins, by one point. That is actually really very
0: impressive. It is. It's it's very impressive. And The way that they played that first half, particularly Northampton, they scored the four tries in the first half, and they were dominant. They were parked on Quinn's line for the majority of that half. And if it wasn't for that moment of magic from Marchant to to chip and tap the ball back to Hugh Jones for that that second Quinn's try in the first half, Northampton could have been uh 15-18 points up at half time and and they were they were good value for that they were comfortably the better team in that first half and then like you say quins came back into it second half but northampton did very very well to match them the final penalty not entirely convinced on that one i think mm. it was a little bit fortunate but you you get within one or two points in the 78th or 79th minute you're going to get the rub of the green sometimes just just on that,
1: I, I just to jump back, it's just one thing I forgot to mention with the Bath Gloucester game, but I I was watching well no, I wasn't really watching the game. I watched it afterwards, but I was keeping an eye on it via Josh McNally's phone. Josh McNally was sat next to me at the Army Navy game and it was on. At twenty past three or twenty five past three or whatever it was, I went, What's the score? He went, Oh, it's nil nil. Really? After twenty five minutes, he said, I don't know, we've only had ten minutes play. And then I watched I watched the game and it's my word. And I, I, what's weird is I was watching the Army Navy game where there was no TMO, and I'm not saying I want no TMO, but I'm saying it was quite, re- it was really refreshing to watch a rugby match where the referee just made a call and a decision, and then yeah. you watch that Bath Gloucester game, it was like pulling teeth, Christoph Ridley checking everything, and I just think that there's a balance to be struck, and he went way beyond where a referee should go. Well. Mm.
2: I'm I'm probably stretching a bit here. Have you seen that story this week about the doctor who tried to overrule the HIA?
1: No. Tried to what, sorry?
2: So there's a story going around about a doctor that tried to overrule an HIA. He's got a ban. I've not seen it. No,
1: I'm sorry. I
2: need to get my facts straight here. In fact, I need to get them so straight that I'm not going to talk about it, and I'll come back and we'll talk about it again. Oh, uh, my
1: word. Can we all just take a moment to appreciate? Look at JB, how He's grown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, do you know what? I'll, 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 I'll just make it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, as I understand it, there was a doctor who reversed an HIA decision and he's been banned from attending matches. Uh, I think it's... I've got a feeling it was a, it was a Welsh guy. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Now, I'm a bit wary about this because undoubtedly, like, the doctor must have done something wrong to get banned. But isn't the whole point in having doctors and medical qualifications that we trust the doctors? And even if he has done something wrong and is found out that um, he tried to overrule an HIA for a competitive advantage, I think, obviously, in that case, maybe a ban or a short ban isn't quite suitable. But the worry I have is that we are going down this road in rugby where there is no advantage of trying to get the right outcome or maybe the right outcome is actually risky for the individual, what they'll go for is a safe outcome. So if there's ever any doubt for the, for the doctor, he will go for the full-on HIA remove the player because where is the upside to his career of getting it right? You're never going to get punished if you HIA someone remove them and they're, and they're fine, whereas you might get the way around. And I think referees are doing something similar, which is they're so worried about getting things wrong that They're not looking after the overall game by making quick, fast calls and letting the game flow. And you see this with the TMO use. They're always going back, 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 to, the, back to TMO to make sure they've got exactly the right call. Because if they don't, on Monday morning, when they go into Twickenham, they all get marked down and they'll miss
0: a big game. So... so- uh, speaking st- strictly on the referee half of this. As I told- yeah, by the way, ignore
2: yeah. the referee part because I'll look into that story properly. I just wanted to use that as a, sort of a reference point.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think the, the point on the referees is right, though, that there can be, and I, it's funny, and I, I think I said this on a previous podcast, that I have turned in my views. If you'd have told me 10 years ago, or asked me the question 10 years ago, I would have said, no, I want the right, I want exactly the right decision in a hundred percent or as close to possible as a hundred percent of the situations as you can, as you possibly can. However, the, the trade-off in doing that is you have to review, re-review, keep going on every single, the minutiae of every single decision. And that's not what I want. I want the, I want the, the very big game turning decisions to be right, but lots of decisions I'm comfortable with them being, um, uh, almost an in- instant gut feel decision and move on, unless there is mm. a significant um, safety risk. And I think the, the person that does it best, in my mind, is Wayne Barnes. I think he's yeah. very good at balancing the 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 need for being exactly right and also balancing where speed is the most important parameter and making a decision, sticking with it, and moving on. And yeah, I I, I completely agree with that
2: because it would be nice. If- refs were marked, not just on the accuracy of their decisions, but maybe on the quality of the game that they ref. I don't know how you do that, it. because it's such a, you know, uh, <coughs> is, is Harlequin's Northampton a, a great game? Or is Bath versus Sale a great game? 6-5, six, uh, six, nearly decade, you know, being, it... you know, I know which one I prefer.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I agree with a lot of what both of you just said then, and to echo your point, JB, with the the fact that in the back of the referee's mind they've got assessors that they talk to they have their meetings at Twickenham where they go through all the big decisions and and that's going to have an impact and the same goes there is there are these frameworks which have been set in stone which they have to follow and again I just mm-hmm. think that has the unintended consequence of and I think it was the Bath lost game there was a couple of yellow cards for high tackles where the players like, there was oh, I can't I can't remember the players now but the the one in particular, the player that got tackled was so low to the ground. It's like it's yeah. just, you just fo- you're following the framework robotically with no, in my mind, with no empathy when the, there is an out there. The, the, even the framework gives you an out. Take take the out like Wayne Barnes would do. But but like you say, the, the focus should be for all of us, and this goes back to and this goes across everything. This goes back to why Premier Rugby's communication has got to be better than it is because we're in the business of entertainment and <laughs> yeah. the same goes refereeing decisions because we're in the business of entertainment and when i when i've watched 25 minutes of a game at twickenham and meanwhile at the wreck or uh, at king's home 10 minutes of the game has been played because there's been literally 10 or 15 minutes spent looking at a big screen it's you've Who's, got it wrong who was the ref the army navy did they did they get Someone you Sarah, knew, Sarah Cox. She was absolutely oh, awesome. brilliant. She was awesome, and I, and I remember seeing her. She's done two Premiership games, and I watched one of them, and um, uh, she was fantastic. a Bigger game than that, mate. What's she done? Top eight, a
2: massive game. Top H ben, ben Moon's testimonial.
1: Ben Moon's testimonial. Mm. What did yeah, you think? You were refed by Sarah Cox. What did you think? I've, been, I, I've, been, I've been, been up to
2: beers with Sarah
1: Cox. <laughs> <laughs> and how how did you assess her performance? How did she ref you?
2: spot on she even scored a try <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I saw her again on Saturday and I've seen her before I, I think she's I think she's ace yeah, she, but, the, the, there the, are there are premiership genuinely there are premiership referees I would uh, put her in front of in the packing order uh,
2: just just on referees because I know we're not going to talk about this game much because Sale they're out they're out they're, you know, they're kind of out of contention now aren't they so you know does it matter that they've beat, beaten Newcastle well, do you know the name of the referee for this game? No. Great, great name for a referee. Never heard of him before, so he might be new. Jack Makepeace. I
0: oh,
1: love that.
2: <laughs> Never heard of the guy, but uh, I'm guessing with that name, he's going to go far.
0: <laughs> is that is, is there a hint of nominative determinism in Jack <laughs> Makepeace?
2: <laughs> yeah, quite. We've just been using for Dorby's. Love it Intense derbies (laughs)
0: Very cool Um, Was there anything Was was there anything we missed from the um, The Northampton Quinns game
2: Well everything really We not really spoke about the game itself
0: We touched on a few points The injuries The refereeing Marchant's incredible um, Chip and chase and touchback Oh yeah Hugh Hugh Jones who continues to look Out of this world at 15 um and Northampton doing Northampton things. They I, I thought they were by far the best team in the first half. I thought they were really, you I, really, good value. He really impressed me. And it's one of the stories I just love. Um, uh,
2: because I love it when someone just shows up randomly, uh, has to play a,
0: a large amount of a game as well. Hinkley. Uh, Aaron Hinkley. Yeah, he played he played really well. He was really, he? Yeah. He was uh, really, hey, really hard working, menace at the breakdown. Got round everywhere and something that you uh, you might not necessarily expect from a, a guy that's kind of coming in and trailing and not formally embedded into the team. I thought he's um, like, set up in the structures, his defensive positioning was all excellent. He's everything. Really good. Agreed. Well, we got an
1: email from Rob Wainwright in Northamptonshire mm-hmm. and he's a Saints fan. And so we can just, uh, we can take his thoughts on the game. He says, first things to say, the atmosphere at the Gardens was the best for a long time. We normally only get that excited for a Tigers game. It really felt like a knockout match. On the pitch, the first half saw the level of attacking rugby Saints had been striving for all season. JB's observation that Saints are soft could be applied to a number of performances this season. However, the shift put in by the pack in the second half was huge. With four of the pack having to play the full 80 minutes and young Hinkley playing 70, as you just mentioned, in his premiership debut, debut. Uh, we saw a newfound resolve. As for courts, playing 80 minutes two weeks after having his thumb sewn back on. Words fail me. Five bonus wins in a row in the Premiership speaks for itself. There are still questions around defence and discipline, but not attitude. As for the yellow card for the hit on Furbank, read all day long in my humble opinion. This just highlights the lack of consistency. Let the boys play.
0: Um, what apart- was the
2: hit on Furbank? Maybe that's what was, it was
0: ringing the bell for It was the reserve prop. It was a good kick-off. He took it. Um, and he was tackled. Furbank was tackled by someone, and so he was dropping. That's the one. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that that was not red. So I, I was actually okay with the framework being used for for um to get a yellow card. I think it's a yellow card, but I can't believe the ref didn't give, didn't give a red. Well, I, so I was okay for two reasons. One, Furbank's knee was basically on the floor by the time he was hit. And the reserve prop Botter Bottier, Botter, um, yeah. he he was upright, but Furbank was going down. The other thing, I'm not entirely convinced that the camera angles conclusively showed that he hit him in the head. I think it was chest and ball. Although I'd like to see another another angle of it, uh, but it looked bad because there was a whiplash effect because. Furbank is about four or five stone lighter than this bloke Furbank and was already being been tackled. down
2: by someone else, isn't yes, it? Yes, correct. Like, I just don't get that. Because why is it different that Furbank has been dragged down by another guy?
0: But sudden sudden drop in height.
2: Yeah, but this is my argument all the time, right? So, you yeah, know, I, I use Kieran Brooks as an example because he got red card. Some super athletic guy... Um, comes from the wrong side of a ruck, like the reverse of the plate. You've got a prop there. And this guy suddenly drops his height. Kieran Brooks cannot get down low enough because he doesn't have that sort of fine motor control as a prop. He just doesn't. He just doesn't.
1: Nobody so, does like, it in milliseconds either.
0: No, but he's still got a card for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you can you can get... I think it's change, trying to change behaviours. Think okay. of that what you will, but he's trying to change behaviours so you start lower. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, I just don't know. doesn't matter. On the
1: Saints-Harlequins game, we got we got an email with no content in the email. It was just a subject heading that, that says, Northampton Saints, JB, podcast that. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, Ross Digby Patel. Good man. Cheers.
0: <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, okay, JB, did you want to mention anything on Newcastle sales? Not really. Um, cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you want? Me to say? There's not nothing, really much. You can no, say I don't want to say anything.
2: Just the frustration with the whole with the whole thing. Um, do we still think the Sale are going to come first
0: in the table? It's a big ask right now. Quite a big ask. I mean, yeah. You you guys said Sale, and I said Bristol. So we're, we're showing that we know absolutely nothing about rugby. Yeah. Well, look.
2: Good. Good win against a bad team. So they won that one. So that's great. Uh, top eight. I mean, that is a disaster. If the top eight doesn't happen, that is a disaster.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, one of sale London Irish or Wasps are going to have that to lament on over the summer.
0: Or Exeter. L- and London Irish have only got uh, one game left to play. Yeah. At which Bath. Shows, it's toughest, toughest for London Irish, but they will at least get a five point uh, and 60 plus point win if they're playing Bath.
1: Yeah. Um, this this is a good question that's been posed by Nick Montgomery, who's emailed contacttedchases at gmail.com. He says, uh, hi, guys, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure why I'm sharing this with you, other than it being a self-absorbed gloat. So at least I know JB will appreciate it. <laughs> he says, I'm a paramedic. I absolutely love my job, and 12 months ago I took on a new role, which meant moving from the East of England Ambulance Service to the East Midlands Ambulance Services. Uh, and the unintended consequence of that move is it covers Leicestershire, uh, the home of my beloved Tigers. Shortly after joining EMAS, I got in touch with the events team and now on match days, I get to stand pitch side providing medical cover for the fans at Welford Road. Not only this, but I get paid for it too. It's not wasted on me (laughs) and I realise how lucky I am to have a job I love and how privileged I am to be able to work at these games. It's almost as good as Tim's so-called work, travelling up and down the country, watching rugby and mixing it with the players. Do any other listeners have similar roles with rugby perks? That's a great question. And I want to know if you do. That's Nick from Stanford. Contact Chases at gmail.com. Awesome.
2: awesome. Thanks for everything, yeah, Nick.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thank, you, thank you for everything. He also says, PS, please be reassured that although one eye is on the action, the other is on work.
0: Sure. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when Ashton was going in for his hat trick, I'm sure he was thinking about work. <laughs>
2: Go on, Ashley.
0: <laughs> and also, it does, just... it, do, it reminds me um, of every time I tell Claire that, "Oh yeah, I'm working because I'm going on on the base in Lisbon or Madrid or Japan for we two really weeks." Really, we worked so hard in Lisbon.
1: We we worked so hard in New York. Absolutely, and you've always worked so hard in Philadelphia.
0: Didn't Absolutely, just, and Chicago.
2: We, we never stopped working. Thinking back about it. <laughs> it was all blur we worked so hard
0: <laughs> one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress
2: uh, it's a it's a t-shirt
0: until you tried it on same goes for your health
2: Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash (laughs) weight loss.
1: So you also got uh, an email, JB, uh, and this will just quickly, I've got to mention Saturday. Uh, you got an email on Saturday from Tr- uh, George Trevor Harris, uh, contact EDJC on gmail.com. And he said, testing comms, JB, are you out there? Would you like a wet from Lieutenant George and Captain David? And that was him oh, And you weren't there. It. You weren't there so, for the like
2: wet. I, I thought he was threatening, threatening me with, with a stopping then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's Waterboarding. A wet a wet's just a beer, right?
2: Waterboarding yeah (laughs) yeah, Uh, it it is I would love to I'm I'm very upset about this I'm very upset very upset
1: it was awesome but yeah Yeah. Tim tell us about
2: it let's talk about Homey Navy then
1: yeah so I've never been to this fixture before I've been aware of it and I've heard that it's a a fun atmosphere and I heard it described as this is the by someone who was there and I said "Oh, this is the first time I've been here and they said This is the closest a rugby game gets to a football game in terms of Ah. atmosphere. And 60,000 people were there. So it was the most attended 60,000 people.
2: Wow. So I was trying to work this out. I was trying to work out, like how many people can go there? Because of course the armed forces aren't really big. Twickenham is like 80,000 seats like that. Yeah. Well, the army's 80,000. So if they had the whole army in there, He might just about fill it out. But of course, there's ex-forces and uh, and everyone
1: else. Yes. And that was it. I think it was anyone who has... uh, It was made up largely of people serving or who have served and uh, coming back. Or, you know, friends and families of people on the pitch, obviously, as well. But yeah, the the bulk of them were that. And it was... So 60,000 people were there. I haven't seen it mentioned or written about or result put anywhere. No, you've got to Google it. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Um, the Navy had Matavesi playing eights. Sam Matavesi um, at number eight, yeah. I was going to say, uh,
2: Josh and no, I, of course not, he's Air Force. Um, anyone else of the note playing? Uh,
1: yes. Um, hold on. Uh, was D'Aguni playing? Yes, yeah, Samisa D'Aguni. Is he still in the army? Yeah. I think he's... Do
2: he, think he's to check him? Like, uh, they check that's, that, that Spanish prop?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he's still... Um, <laughs> He's still serving, so he was in it. So you had you had a you had a smattering of international players. But the, the, the whole occasion was absolutely bonkers. First, the, the national anthem, as you would imagine at a services game, was that was a real moment. That was it was um I've, it was amazing, actually. It was really, really good. Uh, and then the atmosphere was wild.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the game
1: the game was ace.
0: Was it was it a close game then?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Army what, the, the change, the lead changed hands about six, six, seven times through the match, and the army won it late on.
0: Mm.
1: Brilliant!
2: Yeah, it was described in the match report as a bit of a classic. Was it? Um, it was only once. Was it two score game? One, one score game.
1: I think it was uh, maybe just more than a one score game because the army scored very late on to to take it away. But um, I mean, it was more the occasion than the event. And, and uh, yeah, and very well behaved. But people having a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun had. It's yeah. definitely one to one to go and check out.
2: Next year, next year,
0: yeah. Mm. I'm so so guessed. Never mind, never mind. Next year. Um, other other games this weekend.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I will. I will well, I'll, I'll. I'll get us into another one with a little clip from last week's podcast. Hold on <laughs> a minute. Here we go. Just getting it up here. Oh. Yeah, it was just towards the end of last week's podcast when we were talking predictions for the week of the games ahead. And um, this happened. Give me that, Wasps. That really, that's tight. tough to call that. Give me Wasps. Give me a draw. Give me a really high scoring <laughs> draw. Put <laughs> putting money on a really high scoring draw between London Irish and Wasps, JB.
2: You know, I've missed two rounds of betting last week and this week. There's only two rounds I've not actually put money on set my bets. And I would have put on a draw, and three draws from London Irish have destroyed three perfect weeks. And the week I didn't put the draw on, which gives you odds of 30 to one. One hell of a multiplier that one. I didn't. It just shows
0: gambling is for fools. Well, and and draws, you you generally get between 20 and 30 to one for a draw in a rugby game. And London Irish, I think that's six in 22 games. Five in the premiership. They
1: might have had one in another competition, but five premiership. Out of 23. Well, is That's an incredible hit rate.
2: Yeah. Do you know who, do you sec, who are second for draws in the premiership? I'm looking
1: at the table, Sale.
2: Sale Sharks, mm. three, yeah.
1: Mm. How different their seasons could be.
2: Sale, why, why? <laughs> so frustrating.
0: So this, this game is, even for London Irish, who are the draw kings and the comeback kings, or comeback to draw, this is quite remarkable because with uh, about 14 minutes to go, they were 39 14 down. They were 25 points down with not enough time to score that many points on the clock. They're just simply You not would think. Time. <laughs> yeah, for, for any t- normal team in any normal circumstances, not enough time to do it. They've been wild this year, Lamarish. So I thought they had the potential
2: to be top four. And actually, maybe five draws suggested they did. Actually, are draws closest to wins or losses?
1: Could be either. And you do get, in London Irish's case, quite often you get three points mm. out of that because of try bonuses and the draw points. What well, is it so two get, for
2: get... the loot, two for the draw, and they never score less than four tries?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So even if they, let, let's be generous and say they turned three of those wins out of the five into victories... They would only gain two points for each. So, but nevertheless, six more points puts them one point off Saints. <laughs> yeah. Wait, just, what? They've got a negative points difference. <laughs> Who have, sorry? They're
2: minus three points difference. Sale, yeah. No, no, London Long, Irish. London Irish.
1: Uh, I'm looking. Oh yeah, London Irish are minus three. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Yes, they are. You
2: have minus three because I don't know if Bruno Jussell's
1: updated this No, 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 there. it's minus three. You're right. I'm. I was looking at the the rows incorrectly.
2: Because for a team that score so many points, that's remarkable. How bad they must be at defending.
1: <laughs> I'm just looking. They are aside from Worcester and Bath, they are. Oh no, and yeah, Worcester, Bath, Bristol, and then London Irish have the most porous defence. But mm. they're they're equally second top scorers in the in uh, third top scorers. So fourth <laughs> le- a- fourth leakiest in defence. Third, high scoring.
2: What a ridiculous team! I mean, what <laughs> an absolutely ludicrous team. But I've I've loved every second that they have played. I, I think after about round four, I thought, yeah, these guys when they when they click, they they really get it together. Uh, they've scored some of the best tries in the entire in the entire competition. Um, I, I don't know how they maintain this though, because I do think it it is a club. Well, I, I think. There's too many guys in there who will have to move on when the salary cap restrictions start start to bite. You can't keep all of those big names,
0: and and they won't as well. There's guys that are leaving, like Sean O'Brien is leaving. Augustine mm. Creevy is not leaving yet, but he's thirty six or thirty seven. He can't he can't can't continue scoring tries at the rate he's currently scoring them yeah. indefinitely.
1: Yeah, it's just we've things, got plenty of time uh, to talk about. Gone. Yes,
0: you're right. Tuisui Sui has Tuisui's gone going to Boston.
1: Yeah. Uh, we've got weeks and weeks and weeks, months even, to talk about London Irish's recruitment and squad. We don't need to talk about that now because they're, 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 they're out of the picture. They're, they've got nothing to play for now. Well, they're in, yeah. gone, bin. Fair, in the
0: Challenge Cup. I will I will just mention the boy because uh, I love London Irish's back three. I think Parton's brilliant. Loader, I know he wasn't playing. He's brilliant. Holly Holly Hassel Collins is brilliant. Um, Kyle Rowe, incredible Muller, also brilliant. But Arundel, who's only 19, every time I see him play, he just looks excellent. He's such a balanced runner. He's so fast. And as pointed out by a friend of the pod, Holly Pool, to me this week, he's got wonderful quads. And he does does have have wonderful quads. quads. Mm.
2: So hang on, boys. Let's just all calm calm down. Arundel, brilliant quads, great. There is a chance that Glossal lose are remaining two with zero points, right? Because Holoquins and Saracens, they're no mugs, agreed.
1: Yeah, there is it's a chance.
2: There is a chance that Holoquins lose to Saracens, right?
1: Uh, Saints, you mean?
2: Yeah. What do I say then? Holoquins. Sorry. Because you were talking about Gloucester losing both their games? Yeah. So then. Northampton could possibly lose to Saracens, right? Yeah. And Settle Sharks could definitely beat Wasps next week, or, or sorry, next round of games. It's possible. And then they've got Bristol, which we know they can beat. So, last day of the season, perhaps Sale and Northampton are the two which go, which are fighting for that top four. Northampton lose to Newcastle, Sale are in, right? Yeah. Is Is that what
0: it's possible? Likely? Um, Not like, I wouldn't say likely, I wouldn't say it's probable. It's possible. Put put some
1: money on it, JB. Get good odds right now for sale getting top four. In fact, put a bet on for sale to win the title, like like you and I both predicted at the start of the season. <laughs> do that now. Now's the time to do that.
2: Yes, yes. Cash in the bank. <laughs> I can't see how I can't see how because the win against wasps. So they play wasps, that excludes them. Bristol will be a walkover. Easy. Easy easy <laughs> i'm going to book i'm, I'm going to book my semi final tickets now
1: <laughs> think how good that bath worcester game could have been on the last day
0: yeah that is a shame yeah also is this,
1: it? the element with the odd numbered league uh, teams in the league means London Irish don't have a game on the last day of the season That's just feels Ridiculous. weird not every team yeah. playing on the last day
2: mm. how much would you like to see Bath play Coldy I reckon Coldy would beat them as well <laughs> 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 uh, so when I saw the Newcastle Fal- uh, sorry Newcastle Falcons when I saw the Leicester Tigers Bristol Bears score one th- I had one thought I need to watch every second of this game and that's exactly what he did so did anyone else watch this game I've seen the highlights but
0: I've not I've not watched every second
2: well it was awesome because I I often oh hello hello you're still there there we go I do I'm not gonna lie I do enjoy watching Bristol come come and stuck this season it has been one of the most enjoyable things of the entire of the entire season Uh, but as massive. Losses go. Bristol weren't actually that bad. Weird. It's a weird thing to say, but they weren't. I mean, they weren't as objectively bad as say Bath were, which is damning with faint praise.
0: That yeah, that is a low bar to say.
2: Yeah, I, it, it was. A, I'm going to focus on Bristol for the time being. And if you don't, want don't to spend too clear. long on that, though, mate. Well, I <laughs> think do it quickly. Do it quickly. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting because I was watching the players like, God, they play some good stuff. Like, they stay in their structure. When they tested Tigers, they made some yards. I like the fact that the guys that are stepping up now are lads that are found from within England or within their, within their academy. Uh, the try that... Oh, there's a young lad that they have playing... Bate. Debates. Jack,
0: Jack Debates. Bates. Bloody hell. He's pretty quick. That was ace, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. So that's really good. Like Fricka has got um, uh, a handful lately. You've got Harding playing well. You've got Sam Jeffries play, play, playing well. Um, they seem to be evolving into something very different. Now, I think they're evolving into a team which is going to be consistently mid-table, but sustainably mid-table, because I'm not sure you can keep a squad of Vui and Tua and you know all of the absolute worldies uh, for, for that long. Uh, Yoann Lloyd played play again. That said, 26 points is a decent, a decent return. Leicester Times are outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, Chris Ashton's three tries could have been four. Uh, what do we... What, what goes on with Chris Ashton? Let's just talk about Chris Ashton because he's now the Premiership's top try scorer of all time. He's overtaken Tom Vondell.
0: Tom uh, how would you rate his career? He, he's also true. the uh, European uh, Champions Cup top tri-scorer of all time. Incredible. And, and he yet- set he set a record in his season, his one season, I think one, one full season in France, set a top 14 tri-scoring record as well.
1: <laughs> how, how do I rate his career? He's, he's had an awesome career. He, he did it on, on the international level. And what he did, uh, of the many, many things that Rugby Union has borrowed from Rugby League... Chris Ashton's support work is about as good as the Premiership's ever seen.
2: Well, I mean, there are more sides to Chris Ashton than just the scoring, isn't there?
1: And I wouldn't. Yeah, know, like, but I'm um, just you... judging him as a player. He's one of the best. Well, yeah, he's one of the best wingers the Premiership's ever seen, and mm. his his the, yeah. the way he reads a game and trails is uh, is better than anyone I've seen.
2: I mean. <laughs> and, uh, well it's literally the best that's ever played in the premiership it, you know, statistically it is well, isn't it? He's, no... been,
1: he's played for teams that are, well and maybe this is no coincidence that he's the kind of guy that flourishes and contributes towards great teams but he has played in some great teams as well I mean, and he's been on the end dotting over a lot of tries in some very good well, teams I, so
2: just imagine just imagine for a second that he didn't take a year off in too long to uh, beat that you know to set that record and that he didn't mess around in three different clubs ultimately going nowhere and had the stability he's got either at Tigers or at Saints or at Saris how many more tries he could have had I mean in a way like the fact that he's so talented has got him to where he is now but imagine if he was talented and an absolute choir boy and he didn't have all the bands imagine how many more tries he'd get without the bands <laughs> he's been banned for nearly half a season maybe more
0: probably, yeah, probably more
2: He's got. I think I'm sure he's got the most accumulated bands of, the, of any player in the
0: Premiership. Dylan Hartley. Yeah, Hartley's gotta <laughs> got to be up there. Hartley's got not up Hartley's there. Lost Hartley's got to be a year. Hartley's got to be miles ahead of ever, anyone else ever.
2: Yeah, I, I did a, um, I did one of the old YouTube videos about Chris Ashton's bands because they're actually quite funny when I you bet, read them um, out. Like you know all things he's done.
1: I'd be interested to know who like Dylan Hartley would be the top. I, I would guess that Callum Clark would be probably number two
0: yeah Callum Clark probably uh, David Pace is probably up there oh
1: yes that's a great shout
0: knowledge
1: uh, oh, he's one of my favourite premiership players Steve Diamond ever. Steve Diamond <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes I'll tell you who, did, did you see um, another record was set this week other than obviously Bath's continued record-breaking season do you see? Um, someone has now got the most yellow cards ever in a Premiership season, and they got it. They, they got their sixth yellow card this weekend.
2: Christ, who's that? Um, who would it be? It's got to be someone who plays a lot,
0: or not, as the case may Pla- be. Plays a lot. Well, yeah, plays a lot. Uh, I don't think. Hey, John o- is a sale player, John o- Ross, or someone? No, although John o- Ross is, is probably up there. It's you. If you don't know it immediately, you will not get it. It's Danny Care. What really? I wow. would not have got that. So da- Danny Kerr's had a few like little scuffles. He's had a few mouthing off incidents. He's had at least two, maybe three, deliberate knock ons this season. Um, and then I think he might have been on the en- the wrong end of a team penalty once or twice. But yeah, he- he's won six yellow cards this year.
1: Wow.
2: That is outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding facts, good. Phil. i loving,
1: uh, loving that. So, Tigers. Oh, uh, they look. Is there, is there anything that, from this game that you learned that you didn't already know about Leicester?
0: No, they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really good. I am really looking forward to seeing them next weekend. Yeah.
1: And that's what I was going to say. If you want to talk about Leicester, rather than talking about the game against Bristol, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the game against Leinster. Let's, let's preview the European Cup quarterfinals. I know you're a premiership. You love your premiership. But come on, you've got to get excited about this.
2: Well, I, I am excited about this. I'm more excited about sales game against Paris, to be honest. I think that is going to be the fixture, the, the fixture of the round. I really do. Uh, it sounds nuts, right? I think Leicester, Leinster will be very exciting. Leicester are very good. But Leinster are sort of like Real Madrid at the moment. Yeah, you know, I can't see... I want it to be competitive and I want Leicester to win more than I can possibly d- describe. I really want the premiership teams to, to do well. But the, you know, the realist in me says Leicester are going to absolutely steamroll them.
0: It, do, do you disagree with that? I, I do. I, I, do. I, I, do I, think, I think if you're looking at the two matchups, uh, Leicester hosting Leicester and Sale travi- travelling to La Défense Arena, I think the Leicester... The Leicester um, chances are greater comparatively than sales chances. I disagree with you. I put Bully. I put, I put both English. Well, I put both English teams as second favorite, but I'd say in my head Leicester'd win forty percent of those, whereas I see Sale winning that maybe twenty percent or, or less. Yeah, okay, so I
2: think Sale matchup against Racing quite nicely. Now I know Racing are used to playing big teams because they play in the top top four teams. But if you looked at how uh Francais went about their business, who I do not think are as good or as good as Sale, or maybe even as big as Sale, I think if they go there and physically manhandle Racing early doors and they get on top of that uh, on top of that uh, contest, the nerves will disappear. The idea that they don't belong there will disappear. And they've got a real good shout. They've got more. I think they've got more of a chance of taking on Russing than anyone
0: else. Mm. So, do you, uh, you, think, you think Leicester, you think, well, you, you, you said it at the start of that whole, you, you certainly said you disagreed with my perspective. So, you think that Sale have a better chance of winning away in Paris than Leicester do at home to Leinster?
2: Yeah, I do. I think that Leinster are the best of all those four teams. I think their squad is the deepest. I think it's the most complete. I think they are physical, as well as a really good rugby team, whereas I think Racing are more just a good rugby team, they're they're, they're not huge men
1: So my thought on Um, Racing is you you, on on the Racing Sale game is Sale to win that game are going to have to score, it's much like when you play to lose really, if you want to beat to lose, you've got to score more than 30 points, it's like playing France at international level or, or New Zealand when they're you know, had their swagger, you've got to score 30 points, and I just don't see Sale doing that
2: Yeah, do you know, maybe there's a bit of a hangover here of remembering Sale from last year when they could put in these amazing defensive shifts. And I don't think we've seen that from them quite to the extent this year. That defence and and then the physicality combined with it would be something which I think would give Rusting all sorts of problems. Their their defence isn't up to last year's standards. So you have got a point. They need to get points on the board and that's where they'll fail. Because, Mm. well, they will. I'm just going to say they will.
0: Yeah, and sadly, because I I would love to see the English teams do well as well, but I think I think there's a good chance that we will not have a, a single English club in the semi-finals. I agree with that.
1: So the sale game is on the Sunday afternoon.
0: Correct. On the yeah.
1: Saturday, there are three games. Two of them both at the same time, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, you you'd think there'd be a way to work around this because that just seems crazy. Yeah, two games going on at five thirty.
2: So just just on just on Leicester, Leicester. Leicester, Leicester. <clears throat> Who would you have in Leicester, from Leicester in Leicester starting fifteen? Uh,
1: Ford. Over.
0: Sexton.
1: George George Ford. George Ford. Over
0: uh, sorry. Over Sexton. Yes, yeah. I would okay. not not over oh. Sexton three years ago. Over Sexton right now, yes. Oh, okay. Um, I'd have Denge. Over. Uh, Porter
1: I mean that's that's tough actually I, I'd it take either of them take... <laughs>
2: I mean maybe there's a 2% difference either way there
0: yeah it's not huge <laughs> no
1: it's not is it i take Montoya... I mean yeah and Stuart Keenan that's like it's they're both different but brilliant in their own way I'd, I'd like Mon, Montaja I could I could Montage. have him but then I'd be quite happy yeah. there's a lot of players where I'd, I'd be like yeah I'll take Genji I'll take Porter I don't mind give me one of them yeah, but there's no
2: real... I mean, you know, Dan, you know you're, you're not picking Dan Cole over um, Furlong. Furlong anytime soon, are you? No chance. Uh, like there are there a few areas where Leicester say, yeah, actually, I can see why I'd have Genge over Porter. And there's a lot of reasons I'd have Porter over Genge, actually. I, it's a real... It's going to be... If Leicester can pull this off, it'll be one of the greatest wins for a long time. A long, long time. It'll be historic.
0: Yeah. I, I Sadly, I don't think they will do. I no, think I, I think for the reasons that you said, Le- Leinster are, they're a dynasty team. They have so much talent. They have so much cohesion because they've played together for years. And most of them have played together in the blue shirt and the green shirt for years. They've done it all. They are such a good all round team. Yeah. They've got so much power. They've got such a good set piece. They've got some stardust in the backs with guys like Ringrose and Lowe and Hugo Keenan.
1: Oh, their back row, Doris, Van der Fleer, Conan.
0: Do you know the the guy I would
2: have from Leicester every single day of the week over his Leinster counterpart? Go on. Steve Borthwick. (laughs) Every single day of the week. And I think that might be... I'd love to know what your thoughts are over in the Welford Road's brain trust as to how they go about this. Because in my mind, the only thing... I mean, there are a few things they've got to do, haven't they? I mean, you know, people like Genji have got to step up and play well in kind Kaiwell. Of I think you've got to, you've got to play Nadolo because he's a unique kind of guy. He can break open a game where no one else can. Uh, everything has to go perfectly right. But I just can't, I can't really work out what the strategy is. I, do you know where they might be able to get a bit of a foothold, but not dominance... Uh, I love their work at the lineup. I love their work at, uh, at you know how they manipulate the other team's lineup to create driving opportunities. That is a very impressive thing that they do. I don't even know if that's enough.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure there'll be many areas on the pitch that they can get one over them. There's one thing that you often say, JB. That I'm surprised you have not brought up actually, which is steel, sharp, and steel. So. Mm. um Leicester have had, most of their big names have had a run out, um, or more than a run out, played 50 plus minutes this weekend. Leinster, Leinster's starting team the, and almost the entire 23 have literally not had a game for two weeks because no. they've been in South Africa and they've sent, they've actually sent the kids, the, the, yeah. the legit kids. They, they're they're um, start. they're, Match Day 23, almost none of them will have played a game in the last two weeks.
2: I think the, I think the captain of that side is Rhys Roderick. Red- he's the senior Correct. He's
1: Correct. The sole- guy out there. But that is a really good point. And that, even if it takes... I mean, these are experienced pros that do this regularly where they don't play for a while and then yeah. they're in a big European game. So, so I don't think that will affect them. But nevertheless, if it takes them 10, 15 minutes to... Get back up to it. That, that, you know, that could be a game-changing period of time. If Leicester can get three, six, nine on the scoreboard and keep it tight, then it
0: chance. it will be an it'll be an interesting test, because I'm I'm not entirely convinced by that, the steel sharpener steel argument. And I, I I just think these days the the conditioning um and the mentality of players, particularly a club like Leicester, on these big European occasions, will be such that there will be be almost no drop-off from them not playing. If anything, they'll get rid of a few niggles from playing European and Six Nations rugby for the past two months. And they'll be, if anything, a little bit fresher and sharper. And
1: when you've got a squad like that, that deep and that many great players, (laughs) and everyone will be knocking lumps out of each other, desperate for the shirt for the big game. So, yeah. Um, It's probably as high a standard in Europe as you can get playing just a training, just training at Leinster. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, just give me a second. You want to just have a look at something here? So, to lose, I mean, for all, all the nice things that were said about Leinster, the last time they won, it was 2017 18, and before <laughs> that, you've got to go all the way back to 2011, 2012.
0: Yeah. So, and they, but they have made a, a final as well because they lost to Saracens in the final, didn't they?
2: Steel shop and steel make and salary caps. Is <laughs>
0: well, well, it salary caps?
1: <laughs> Leicester will, will have spent more than that Saracens team on their players. Make no sense. They mistake. will have now. I don't think they did then. No, I think they did then. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, 100%. It, it, yeah. It, but it's,
0: it's also interesting because. Um, the, the the salary outlay of Leinster, of the province of Leinster, is not the full picture because of the central contracts and there are a few and you can't play if you're outside of Ireland. So it's, yeah, it would be very difficult to compare the two things. Let's say it, say it that way. but I, And the I tax think you're breaks right. you get,
1: the massive tax, government tax breaks you get being a an Ireland I, player.
0: Exa- I, it's the, the point being, there is no salary cap in Europe. So that that's the most important point. Yeah. Um.
2: Just on Lancer. Yeah. You are right. It's you know, like UK state secrets are things like the um the codes to the nuclear arsenal. So in, in Ireland, it's literally what are the numbers for Lens, You know, for Lancer's uh, uh, salary. It's uh it's that <laughs> secret. It's that clandestine and state sponsored. That's interesting to see definitely
1: i see God, i see both thing. of those english teams still in the Euro, still in Europe not being there for the semi finals unfortunately which small, con- small country problems eh which will probably mean <clears throat> there's going to be there's definitely going to be a french team we're thinking we're coming down on the side of there being two french teams and an irish team which brings us to munster v Toulouse.
0: which is an away win for me yeah i think so is going to absolutely pound I can't... And Toulouse are not playing their best rugby this year. No, they're not. But they, they had more than enough of not playing their best rugby to beat Ulster. And they've just oh, got they, this...
1: They, they didn't... Ju- that
0: was they, not comfortable. It it was us. not comfortable in either game, yeah. but it it always felt inevitable because they they just have these the unbelievable talent that they have on the pitch who can create. They've got so many of these talented guys like Ramos, like... Um, and like DuPont, who's ludicrous, um, who can just turn a game on a sixpence and yeah, win it with like DuPont scored, uh, he scored the winning try in the second game. And did he score? Or did he set up and Mac for the, the, the 76 minute try in the first game when they'd been down to 14 men for the whole match? Um, they just create moments of magic, and I think they will create more than enough, even away at Tom and Park.
1: It's not at Tom uh, Park, I sorry. It's Aviva, leave. isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to of... this one, and I'm I'm gutted. I'm not. I'm going to. Dublin, yeah. not Limerick.
0: But you want to go to and see Ed Sheeran, don't you?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why I want to go to Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shame. Yeah. The, the the only upside to that is, I'll, I'll get. I'll be working at the Munster game at the Aviva, and then I'm in Dublin. I'm going to get myself to a pub to watch Leinster v Leicester, which is that's great. Awesome.
2: That's great. That is good. That'll be how class. Half, how the other half live, eh? <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Who's... Well, um, like after the he, game, trust me, I will be going... Johan um, uh, van Graan, um, y- your thoughts on the defeat? Yeah, thanks. Cheers for your time. Bye. <laughs> uh, who, who are you working with, Tim? Uh, Peter Stringer. You, Peter Stringer's uh, at that one, and uh, who, Craig Doyle. So, Peter Stringer
2: and... does, doesn't drink. And I imagine Craig Doyle knows his way around Dublin, I would say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I bet
2: he takes a one or two bars.
0: Yeah. I would have thought so.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, La Rochelle Montpellier is the other quarterfinal. And, and I see that going uh, home win. Although Montpellier have been very good.
0: Montpellier have been very good this season. Yeah. I think, it, I think you are right, though. I think he'll be home advantage. La Rochelle playing a very good Bordeaux team in the semi-final uh, semi-finals the round of 16. Um La Rochelle did look impressive. Really really handy. We can got t- a few few decent players.
1: Yeah, we can not just touch on the Challenge Cup. Now he has got to the quarter-final stage. Uh, Gloucester v Saracens on Friday night.
0: Mm, I'll be uh, I'll def- definitely be watching that.
1: Yeah, Edinburgh Wasps on Saturday lunchtime. Mm. Um and Leon Glasgow. I'm glad to see both Scottish sides have got to this stage. If, if one or both of them can get to the semi-final. In fact, I don't know who... Because it's already mapped out who plays who in the semis, isn't
0: it? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't know is the honest answer. Mm. And,
1: and Toulon-London
0: Irish it should be a fun game. High-scoring draw. High-scoring yeah, yeah. draw. Yeah. Perfect. Nailed you, uh, it. There's there's one other game. I don't know if either of you saw any of it. The the big game, the biggest game this weekend, England France, which England no. England came back and, and won very handily at the end. So to win a, a grand sum and a, a a big grand sum as well, comfortably beating their nearest rivals, France, and hammering everyone else. So very yeah, well so done actually, this.
2: I did. I was where this game was on. I didn't see it. Um, other things to do um however i made the point in the week and um i've got a message on twitter disagreeing with me hardly so i will make this point on the podcast well done, first of all well done england ladies um women it doesn't matter um you know they've got they can they can only play what's in front of them okay and They've won every single game. They've done it with quite some style, as I understand. Wonderful. I just can't help but think that when England are a squad of professional central contracted players, it's just not particularly fair or conducive to the standard of rugby across the rest rest of Europe. I mean, I see them winning. I, I, I see the golfing class now as analogous to if Saracen spent three times the salary cap on their squad because I don't see how it is one thing to say and praise the team for doing this as you should, because it, you know, it's not the individual's fault by any stretch, but to have one team professional, France are also professional and then everybody else not professional. How is it good for those players? How's it good for the development of those teams? And the yes. answer cannot just simply... yet In
1: some cases, Wales are handing out some central contracts.
2: Yeah, and do you know what? Wales can't afford it. You know, like the women's team is one of those things where, um, in fact, international rugby in general is one of those it's a, a grey area when I'm not sure it's actually fair to be paying and we spoke about this in the men's game, yeah. different rates to different different nationalities. So the fact that England get twenty grand a game and Wales get five grand a game or whatever it may maybe. I mean, we spoke spoke about that in in the past. In the women's game though, it's so stark because you're looking at people that have Literally got to go to work next Monday, playing as girls, which are who are full time, full time professionals.
1: Yeah, I, um, I do. I do think also, as we talked about on that little special um, podcast, which is in the feed, and you should go and check out. Mm. Um, only a couple of weeks ago now, I, I do think it is also. Whilst I understand why, I think they are putting the cart before the horse. They are they are kind of having a "if you build it, they will come" kind of thing, whereas actually the way that. Businesses and really anything operates is you build from the ground up and actually so I I think making people professional before the game is justifiably at the level that demands that that is the case I, I don't think is yeah. the right way round but, but but that but I I also can appreciate how how great that is for people to be able to be full time athletes
2: yeah mm. the, you know, look first of all congratulations to the women that won this game absolutely great great achievement but I think just looking at it more, more holistically, maybe we should look at how men's rugby is now and how you've got, what, six, seven nations? Uh, sorry, uh, the six nations plus the four Southern Hemisphere teams, which is so far away from everyone else, that if you want to get a team like Japan to even be competitive, you've got to lavish it with money. And they need to probably look at that and learn from it before saying, right, the way to improve women's rugby is to just fund one team to the maximum and hope everyone else also finds the money to improve their squad. They need to bring everyone along with them. That, that'd be my only. That'd be, be my only thing.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And when it's it is is difficult to um, make sure that you um, separate out the how brilliantly the women, the England women, have done in this tournament and the issues that are created by the disparity in yeah. financial standing. And you two, you two both mentioned it, but the, the the England women have done brilliantly. The Them having um, the professional players and being so far ahead of the game, actually on balance makes a much worse product overall. Because England, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the points difference for England in the Women's Six Nation. England four. They scored 282 points. They conceded 22 points. Oh, it's, my word. it's it's not even. And the France game was a close game. Everything else was not even.
1: So they're it, averaging not, less than a try conceded in a game. Yeah, they, over they,
0: five matches. Well, in the in the other four games, they conceded ten points.
1: Oh.
0: In the other four games. Yeah, so I think. It's it's like it's like playing bath every week.
2: Yeah, it's it's so difficult, right? Because I don't think anyone is anyone is honestly reporting on women's rugby. Like you, you hear Brian Moore is lavishing with praise. You read in the Times, uh, you know they'll you know they'll put a few paragraphs towards it, and it's never questioning and it's never incited. So sorry, um, insightful. It's just mouthing platitudes, and I think the women's game deserves it like a bit better and part of that would be discussing how they are going to what have they done with England the problem with that money which has gone into the England team now is you can never take it away it'd be unfair to take it away so they've built this monster and the only thing that I can logically see happening now is that England ladies are going to be uh, they're going to be the dominant team apart from maybe a good a good New Zealand team that i will see every now and again or a good French team and those three will just continue for the best part of what, 10 years, 20 years before anyone gets even close to
0: them? Well, it's actually...
2: That'll be the future of the women's game and everyone will just clap and all the creepy men will press like and... and, and... Well,
0: when you you describe that, that there are three teams that can compete and really that one of them is far ahead of the others, that that just reminds me of rugby league, international rugby league. International rugby league is... It's rugby league is a brilliant product to watch international rugby league and the nrl is an amazing product with amazing athletes but it is so far ahead of everything else that international rugby league is the most boring uh international spectacle in the world because yeah. australia are just going to absolutely hammer everyone else and in england and new zealand can occasionally do something interesting but not really It's it's a foregone conclusion Yeah, well,
2: um, if you fancy it, No Woman No Try is doing their speaking tour. Uh, And if you want to just go and lavish praise on them and clap like a seal, you can do that. Or um, someone can ask them some serious questions and they can give give the women's game some actual serious thought that it deserves because no one's doing it and no one's reporting on it in in an accurate manner. They're just mouthing platitudes. And it's really, it's quite irritating because I don't see how this game... it, It might get a bit better in England, but I think the net result of what they're doing will probably... Make it less popular in Wales, Ireland, Italy, everywhere, Scotland, everywhere else. We can't possibly compete.
1: It's an interesting point. Um, there you go. Uh, one cool story. Actually, I'm, I'm going to mention this one because uh, we did talk about this <laughs> a, few, a couple of weeks back. The I've had so many people this week forward uh, meh, uh, send me that video that we talked about a couple of weeks ago of the kid oh, that said for school. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And
2: uh, you I, say I said, that I'm famous now.
1: No, 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 no. So I, I just am why? Why are you famous? Oh no, no. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that in a second. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to check in on how you're doing, JB. Knowing that that little video of that kid motivating his teammate at Sedba <laughs> School has now gone so viral that people are sending it to me and going, "Have you seen this?" People that aren't into rugby at all. And uh, h- how are you with with uh, that show of emotion?
2: Can about, I just say, JB? Um, I sat down with a friend of mine called Graham Higginbottom, who otherwise known as Higgy, Broughton Park's head coach. And we had a beer and a little chat about it. And he was the coach at that sub-school thing who basically ca- like Best teammate the in the world.
1: Best teammate in the world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> lovely, lovely man. Yeah, And he's like, what, what do you think of that, JB? I was like, I'm profoundly uncomfortable with all sorts of like emotional stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm probably not the best person to talk to. Uh I don't know. I, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I'm <laughs> sure lots of people get many many good things out of it. I just don't like it.
1: Uh, the the second heartwarming story is the uh, another Manchester-based story. Mike Ireland and his seven sons making oh, making yeah, well up making up a full scrum for heat and more thirds, which yeah. is
2: awesome. that's a really cool game that is i'm so glad you mentioned it so yeah congratulations my hound they play all at heat and more as you mentioned heat and more is the local rival to um yeah they all wave their rolexes at each other during the game when they're uh, asking the ref uh, how how long on the clock um uh, incredible but i tell you something else incredible right uh and I mentioned this to, I won't tell you who mentioned it to, but I mentioned it to someone else. Um, they were playing Withenshaw. I don't know if you know, Withenshaw weren't even a club until about a decade ago. They're a brand mm. new club in one of the roughest parts of Manchester. Um, say what you like about the RFU, when we often do, we're not full of, full of praise for them here. Um, but credit where it's due, they set up a club there and it's still going. Uh, I think that's amazing. I think the whole thing is amazing. Like the family aspect of uh, Mike Hyland and his seven sons, although Maybe we should call him Father Abraham. Uh,
1: (laughs) He's got eight daughters as well. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: And then going up against Withenshaw, you you know, is a team that I think is amazing, still still even exists and was founded in the first place. Yeah,
1: Yeah. So there was Sam, Dan. Captain Mike, tighthead prop. I'm looking at a picture of him. He, I mean, <laughs> if anyone proves your point, JB, that just get in there and play prop. Have a look at the picture of the shape of the dad and know that he was playing tighthead prop in this game. So it was Sam, Dan, Mike, Captain, age 56, Joel, Matt, Luke, Steve, and Tommy were the uh, the island family. Awesome. Love that story. That is yeah, class.
2: If, if I was playing them, I'd have I'd have, I'd have loaded up my team with ringers. <laughs> give, him, give him a terrible day
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um oh yeah and jay and you will hear if you watch beno urbano's quinn's documentary is that just a is that is that one part and he's doing it for lots or is it a multiple part series it is, three,
2: is it three parts
1: three parts okay but anyway within it's, three, with,
2: it's bloody well shot
1: it is it looks good um within a minute or two of the of the first episode, you'll hear JB piping up about the departure of Paul Gustav from Quinns. Yeah, mm. I, I, I
2: had to sign a release for that. Uh, and I just signed it and then after I signed it, I was like, hang on, what have you got me saying exactly? Yeah, it... <laughs> no, 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 it's absolutely fine, Jamie. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they wanted my comments, not yours. I don't know if you want to read, in, 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 uh, read anything into that. Uh,
1: Phil and I are, are bland and un- <laughs> unnoteworthy
0: exactly Yeah. <laughs> okay. sorry JB you just went underwater for me then that's fine uh, what, th- I
1: think, uh, any, I think any quick work, any yeah. other business I, I will just say that we're living in a period where Ozark final series and uh, Better Call Saul final series is out at the same time is just some of the greatest TV Ever made. So I uh,
2: just say, did you know this, Tim? Do you know that a lot of Netflix series get cancelled? Is after th- series two? Really? So there's a thing, right? So Netflix will commission a series, a box set, and the first two series they can get actors fairly cheap. But if it goes really, really successfully, apparently on the contract renegotiation for the third series, they can get a lot of money, which is why so many Netflix series cancel after series two. Mm. And this is just for utter chances. Uh, have you heard that sadly Meghan Markle's uh,
0: Netflix series will be will be, will, will be making it? I, I, I only know that because you shared that with me earlier today.
2: <laughs> there are just some remarkable podcast stories out there. So they've got a company called Archwell. And as I understand it, the only thing that Archwell Productions has managed to achieve so far is one single podcast for Spotify. Which I think costs Spotify some like eighteen million quid. Eighteen million quid. For, I mean, I would do a podcast for Spotify for what? How much? Seven million?
0: Nine million? Well, our current going rate is somewhere in that region. Yeah,
2: I, that, and also people would listen to it. That would be, be the big difference. <laughs> people would actually, listen to it. So yeah, something she's had her. So Archwell Productions have set up a company for this they have managed to do one podcast and get one series cancelled. So
1: it's that's not as rabbi. easy as you think, is it? It's not as easy. All these people just look at podcasts and go, well, they're doing it, so I must be able to do it. It's not, it's not that easy.
2: The other oh. one that made me chuckle, have you seen the Obama one? Oh, yeah, that's got canned. No, they walked away. Do you know why they walked away? Because they were annoyed that they had to do too much work, work on it. They wanted to showcase other voices, which is kind of like saying... Yeah, I'll do your rugby podcast, but I'm not going to show up. I'll just send randoms to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Ridiculous.
1: Isn't it? <laughs> Grifters be grifting. Have <laughs> either of you, what, but uh, I know Ozark, you're both on, aren't you? No. I nope. no? Oh, like... man. So you're not on Ozark. Are you, have you done Better Call Saul? Yes. I, I lose
2: interest in boxers oh, so quickly. JB, get on it. These, these I got are... O- I got to Ozark when he started building the church.
1: Oh mate. They're both immense. They're both I mean, outrageously good.
2: Do. do you know what I'll do just to um, pacify you is I'll read up on all the all the episodes tonight on, on Wikipedia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Philistine. <That's>... Right. <laughs> yeah. Right, so all right. Uh, okay, yeah, so you know where we are. We're in your feed right now. Hit subscribe so you get the next episode downloaded automatically. Yeah. And that's just one way you can say thank you for, if you appreciate the effort, if you appreciate the podcast there for you every week into our, So or, sorry, we're nearly finishing our ninth season. Yeah, season, season 10. Nearly 10 years. So uh, yeah, if you appreciate that, hit subscribe. Uh, follow us uh, wherever you find us online. Email contact at com And patreon.com forward slash egg chases if you want extra content and you appreciate us that much uh and on that note let the boys play let was play